0: welcome to the podcast. I'm your host Sue Stiles and today I want to introduce to you Sam Demma. Hi Sam. Sam's an entrepreneur from Toronto and uh, he's a youth coach. He's a motivational speaker speaking in schools and stuff but when I met Sam he was speaking to old people like me (laughs) and we all loved it. So uh, I wanted to bring him on and share a little bit about his expertise. Before we get started, Sam, is there anything else we should know about you to get the most out of our conversation today? Hi, podcast listeners. Welcome to Mind Your Own Business. Parentheses, yes, the title has changed from last year. (laughs) I hope you enjoy the honest business advice and personal stories of mistakes and magic I'm Sue Styles, your host and business expert, and I am here to share hope and practical and proven tactics to build your business. Hey, all the steps to success and twice the grit. Visit me for business resources, advice, and offers at suestyles.com. And now back to the show.
1: I'm 21 years old. I might be close in age to some of your kids. I love dancing bachata and salsa. I'm half Italian, half Greek, and you're listening to me today from the speaking basement studio. (laughs) Uh, But I'll leave all the other juicy details for later.
0: So this is available on podcast. We're also streaming on video on my YouTube channel, Sue Styles. You can see Sam in person if you're just listening in your car right now. I would love to just dive right in and touch on your expertise with youth what are you seeing in youth regards to business their their work ethic have things changed over the generations what what do youth want out of their work
1: and careers absolutely speaking on behalf of my generation i'm 21 so i'd be placed in gen z i would say we really care about purpose and fulfillment and impact youth want to work somewhere that they know will make a difference in the lives of other people they don't just want to fulfill a job and get paid and work nine to five they want to do that and know that the work they're doing is making a positive difference in the lives of others you know something that i think older people <laughs> not that you're old or anyone else is old assume sometimes is that young people are you know lazy or not hardworking, and that may have been the case for past generations i don't think it's as true uh now i think a lot of young people are motivated But on that same topic, it definitely comes from your parents and who you surround yourself with growing up. You know, I can think back to when I was 15 years old. It was in the middle of my journey pursuing a dream to play professional soccer. And I sacrificed everything in my life to chase that goal and dream. I never played video games growing up. I never had serious relationships, didn't have large groups of friends, didn't party, didn't drink. I remember at the age of 16 walking into my dad's office and begging him for exercise equipment (laughs) and he was probably super excited because you know most kids ask their parents for video games and Mm -hmm. money and my dad was so excited he went online he searched up things and very quickly our excitement vanished because we both realized that to buy a gym it would cost a couple thousand dollars and my dad challenged me he said look i'm not going to pay for it but if you find a way to raise the money My promise is that I will drive you anywhere. I will pick it up with you. I'll help you assemble it in the basement. And he didn't realize, but he was giving me one of the greatest gifts ever. And it was teaching me to be resourceful. You know, to create something from nothing, it requires you to be resourceful, to use what you have, whether it's your knowledge, skills, or resources, to the fullest of their potential. And I did that by starting Salvatore's grass cutting service at the age of 16. And i printed out 100 flyers and dropped them in the mailboxes of all my neighbors only got three clients didn't make nearly enough money to purchase a home gym but that first idea led me to the second idea which was flipping gym equipment on kijiji or craigslist if you're listening in the us Mm -hmm. and i did it i did flip i flipped things online for about a year and a half started to really educate myself on how much exercise equipment costed i remember six months after starting i found an ad that changed my life this lady was emptying out her whole basement Uh, had an entire basement gym, but everything the pictures were covered in rust. You had to disassemble it from her basement, carry it up her narrow staircase, and she was getting rid of everything for $500. I knew because of the research I had done that it was worth close to 3000, but it was destroyed. I had to fix it all. And so I begged my dad to drive me there. We went, we picked it all up, brought it home. Long story short, I actually have the gym (laughs) when I was 16. It's right beside my office. And if you're watching on video, you'll be able to see this on YouTube. (laughs) <laughs> there but, it is. <laughs> but everything in it um, came from nothing. I, I technically didn't pay a dollar for it, but it was it was being resourceful. So I, I also think that our parents pass our values down to us as well as our friends. And something my parents passed down to me that's had a huge impact on my own entrepreneurial journey is you know resourcefulness and using what I have to its fullest potential and and working hard.
0: Well, that's is a really interesting concept, and to hear you talk about youth wanting to do something that they're passionate about. Why do you think that changed over the generations? Because I know my grandparents worked at whatever job they could get, you know, for the money. So is that filtering down from the parents or what parents are telling children? Or is it a more society peer influence thing?
1: I think it's urgency. Maybe when my parents or yourself and your grandparents were younger, the problems the world was faced with may have not been so urgent. Climate change has been around for hundreds of years, but only in this generation are they saying, we're getting to the point where it's an emergency, where if we don't solve it right now, terrible things are gonna happen. And what that does is it educates the young kids growing up today to believe this needs to change now. We don't have, we don't have time to wait, this is an urgent matter. That along with the fact that I believe news is getting better and better on showcasing and broadcasting the negative things that are happening in the world, also leads young people to believe that there's so many things and problems to change and to fix right kids are growing up taking a stance politically you know and other generations didn't think about politics until they were like 25 30 years old and had to vote for their city mayor or something so I think the news the way that we have access to information on social media as well as the fact that a lot of these problems are getting to a point where they're urgent is what's leading our young workforce and young entrepreneurs into wanting to do purposeful, impactful work.
0: Yeah. It's so interesting to hear this viewpoint from the next generation too, because I think probably there always have been those kinds of kids who have been motivated from purpose. I just think of Rosa Parks, you know, as a teen, you know, making a stand. So I guess different priorities have also presented themselves And now with social media, Rosa didn't have a cell phone (laughs) to post what was happening. So everybody doesn't always know. And now we can follow and we get ideas and learn. You have made a career now at your young age of speaking to youth through schools and other conferences and events. Well, now all virtually, I guess, for the moment. but. Tell, tell me and our, our listeners a little bit about what you went through in your struggle through the education system and what you're sharing with youth, what they're wanting to hear from you.
1: Absolutely. If I asked you, Sue, to travel back in time to when you were six years old as a child and think back to a moment where someone in your life asked you this question, what do you want to be when you grow up? What is the answer that comes to mind?
0: Oh, Do you want me to say it? Yeah. Uh, that would be famous.
1: I love that. (laughs) That's awesome. I asked this to every student at every school I speak at, and they all give me the most amazing, funny answers. And if I could travel back in time and speak to my younger self, I would have told you I wanted to be a professional soccer player. Mm. And it wasn't just something I said. It was something I lived out every single day. Like I mentioned, all my time and energy was dedicated to the game of soccer. By By the time I was 13, I actually moved to Italy. For six months of my childhood to live with over 25 international athletes to try and sign a professional contract and besides the pizza pasta and gelato and the 10 extra pounds I put on. (laughs) uh, It was an amazing experience and I came back home knowing what I would have to do if one day I wanted to play at that level and by the age of 17 I had a full ride scholarship to a school in the US and at that point you could have guessed my future. The next logical step would have been a full ride soccer scholarship to a university in the U S followed by a professional contract. In fact, as you listen to this, four of my teammates are professional soccer players to play for the Canadian men's national team and all four of them play in the major league soccer league in North America. Okay. And that could have been my future. Yeah. Fortunately or fortunately, depending on the reasons you create, I ended up having three major knee injuries, two surgeries and tore the cartilage in my right hip. And had to totally give up the sport now and that was at the age of 17 i've been chasing the dream seriously for over 12 years everything in my life related to the sport i mean my email address was soccer sam 99 at hotmail.com you know it's like i got all my self-worth and value as a human being from my identity as an athlete and When I could no longer play, it felt like I lost a piece of who I was. I felt like I had no value to give the world. And I was so lucky that as I was going through that experience, I had a grade 12 world issues teacher and his name is Mike Loudfoot. He's retired now. And it was April of 2017 when I was seated in his class and he was breaking down the lives of these figures in history. People like Rosa Parks, Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, Malala, Mother Teresa, the list went on and on. And I remember he broke down their lives and tried to prove to us that despite, despite the fact they all had differences, there was one common characteristic they shared that enabled them to make a difference. And he said it was that they took thousands of small, consistent actions. And he said, if you want to make a difference, if you want to make a change, you know, Sam, soccer is one game in life, but there are thousands of games around you. If you wanna play a different game, all you need to do to be successful at it is take thousands of small, consistent actions. And I remember after making the decision to stop playing soccer, it was one of the first moments where I felt meaning again, where I felt like I had potential and there was possibility for another future. And every day I would walk home asking myself, what is your small action? What small action can you take? And it led to starting an organization called Pick Waste after realizing there was garbage on the sidewalk and i began picking up trash walking home from high school and i just wanted to see if i could prove my teacher wrong and that led to an initiative with my buddy where we would meet up every saturday morning to pick up garbage and we've done that since 2017 for the past 4 years We filled close to 3000 bags of trash uh, the work i featured all over national news and it's that work that led me to speaking so schools started naturally calling and saying we would love for you to speak to our kids one you're so young two Uh, they need their volunteer hours and they would love to get it with your organization. Can you come and share your story? So at first it was talking about volunteerism and servant leadership and it's evolved since then. But that's really the story that brought me to where I am today.
0: That's such a key message. I mean, good, consistent actions. I always talk about daily habits, you know. and I talk to older entrepreneurs, but it's the same message. And if the kids, if you can learn that right from the get-go, what a great way to share that. And to turn your disappointment into having some meaning to, to get you step you up to the next level. Yeah. When, when, uh, when I heard you speaking to uh, the group that I was in, you were talking about how you've been reaching out, and you know, whenever you start whatever business, when you but when you're starting speaking, you have to go and let people know, hey, I can speak on this topic would you like to talk to me? And there's not like a a list that you call, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, there's no list. (laughs) Um, Luckily for me, my clients are schools. So a school will hire me a student association will hire me a university will hire me to come speak to their students. Luckily, most of that information is public. So if I search all the different school boards, and go on their, you know, provincial school board website, I can usually find all the schools listed under their school board. And then I can go through each school and find the principal's first name and last name. Now, that takes a lot of time, right? And that's what I did. When I first started, I would film 20 videos per day, did it for about eight months, just reaching out to individual principals and in schools. And three days, if they didn't respond, I would follow up. And then four more days after the second email, if they didn't respond, I would follow up again, until I got, yes, we wanna hear more, or no, please stop emailing me. <laughs> And, you know, I did that for a whole year in my first year of speaking, got some good initial success, was burnt out doing it, and didn't think it was the most effective way to make an impact. And so in my second year, I hired a coach, someone who had been speaking for 20 years, who I really respected when it comes to sales and business. And I shared everything about my business and where I'm at. And he helped me change my perspectives on sales. And I crafted a different reach out strategy you know, all of my peers are reaching out to schools, all pitching over email saying, hey, I would love for you to, you know, I'd love for you to hire me to speak. So I actually instead started a podcast and I reach out to the same people at the same schools. And instead of saying, hey, I want you to hire me. I just say, hey, I love what you're doing with your students. I reference something personal that's happened recently in the school. And I say, would you be opposed to coming on my podcast? I would love to interview you. (laughs) And every principal I speak to or email that to says, Oh my goodness! I'm honored. No one's ever asked me to interview before. Now you're probably listening to this thinking, "Well, that's great, but then what?" Well, people buy. Tom Stoyan from Cap says this: people buy people, products, and services in that order. So for you to win a sale as an entrepreneur, you first need to become that person's friend. We do business with people we like. Interviewing someone about the things they love, they care about, they want to share is the easiest way to become someone's close friend. Mm. You know, and it's cool because not only am I able to you know, potentially make a sale at the end of this podcast, or six months later, because they like me, and they they reach out to me in the future. But I also learn so much and build a cool relationship. So if you're listening and thinking that sounds great, well, you can apply the same thing to your business, you know, who is your customer, you know, go and reach out to them start start an interviewing series. Mm-hmm. Um, and ask them things they care about build a relationship, and you'll see the impact it will have, maybe not immediately. But over the next two, three years, for sure.
0: Yeah, what a different way than the typical cold calling with a script or these mass spammy emails. I know myself, I've been a journalist for over 30 years and also found that in interviewing people, in asking for interviews written, this same kind of bond, the connection, now you can podcast. There's so many different ways. And one of the things that I think... Uh, I really enjoyed about your talk when I listened to you was how you market. And uh, I had mentioned, I I think it's a very bespoke marketing that you do because you're responsive to what people want rather than pushing what you do.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. And I'll also mention, I don't mention my services or sales at all during this podcast, just to make this very blatantly clear Because if you interview someone at the end, say, oh, by the way, I'm a speaker and I would love for you to, you know, work with Mm -hmm. me. The person is going to think, oh, wow, you know, he, this person interviewed me just to ask this question and that's going to make you feel slimy, right? Mm -hmm. So I don't mention it at all. Only if at the end of the podcast, the person I'm interviewing says, wow, that was phenomenal. Thank you so much. Tell me more about yourself. What do you do? Now they've given you the permission to share. And I'll Mm -hmm. tell you that more often than not, that naturally happens. And then it's so easy. You can just share what you do. Like you're talking to a friend and there's no hard sell. There's, there's none of this, right? There's it's, it's a totally different procedure. And, um, yeah, I love it because I'm not tiring out myself doing thousands of Mm -hmm. outreaches per day and the people I'm working with love it too, because we build a cool relationship.
0: Yes. Uh, You know, it's interesting. I have seen um, Kendra Hall featured in a number of magazines lately, and she, she talks about telling stories. And so she's sort of a speaker that has blossomed. But I did hear, and Kendra, I'm sorry if this isn't true, but this is what I think I heard or read that you said, was that she did just huge email blasts over and over and over, like thousands of emails. And, you know, if you don't have any other ideas like a coach, then you don't have any other ideas. You just do what you think worked for someone else. Well, you've gone ahead and answered. Really, the first thing I always like to ask people is, what's the best way you have gotten clients? And so thanks for diving right into that. And I do want you to mention a little bit, if you can talk around the marketing that you have done, you know, as I'm against cold calling with scripts, but I am for Target and Harvest. And I know um, you had shared some, really cool um, targeted marketing features with some people that you were wanting to connect with. And I'm visualizing you made a box of some sort (laughs) for them. But if you can tell the story, maybe other people can get ideas of what they could do in their industry or what their business is.
1: Talking about being bespoke, I think it's so important to show up differently than everyone else, it's so important not to reach out to someone that you want to work with and share why you need to work with them, but instead reach out to show them how much you care about the work that they're doing. When everyone zigs, I want you to zag. I want you to show up unparalleled to all your competition. Mm-hmm. Now that's how I, that's how I, uh, run my own business. So when I'm doing an outreach, those are the things going through my head. And there was a gentleman in the states by the name of Charlie Rocket, who used to be a famous music manager managed a huge hip-hop artist by the name of two chains for over seven years made millions of dollars but at the same time lost his health developed a brain tumor amassed over 300 pounds in weight became obese and was on his way to death at the age of like 28 years old and he left everything in the music industry changed his life around got on an rv lost all his weight and now drives around america in something he calls the dream machine making people's dreams come true When I saw what he was doing, I was immediately inspired by first of all, his personal story and all the work they're doing. And I thought, wouldn't it be so cool if I could work with his team, speak in all the schools in the cities they stop at on their national tour to also spread this initiative and awareness to all the schools because that's what I've been doing for the past three years and I know how to do it. But he has over 500,000 followers. I had no clue how I was gonna reach out to him. So I sat myself down I took the deliberate time to think. I also think this is super important, setting aside time to think through things as opposed to sit in front of our computer and be busy all day. You know, 30 minutes of thinking can solve some of your biggest problems. And I sat down and I thought to myself, how can I show Charlie that I care? Back to the idea of people loving to share their ideas, right? Podcasts maybe I could listen to his own podcast. He happened to have a podcast with 62 episodes. Now, if he's taking the time to produce his own episodes, he obviously cares about them. He's invested time in them. And I made the decision to listen to all 62. Oh. And then <laughs> I made a page of notes on all 62 episodes. I stapled all 62 pages together. I then went on a website called packlane.com where you can custom print boxes. And I put his podcast logo on the cover. I put his team logo on the inside flap. I put his bus logo on the bottom of the box, his hashtags along the side of the box. I took the 62 pages of notes, I put them inside the box. At this point, I still didn't have his mailing address in LA. I couldn't just get it to him magically. But I sat down and I thought again, how can I creatively get his mailing address? And I realized that he had a business partner that was more behind the scenes. So I reached out to his business partner. I didn't want to sound like a crazy fan. So instead of saying, hey, I have this box, et cetera, et cetera. I said, I love what you're doing with Charlie. Can I interview you on my podcast? (laughs) And Chris said, oh my goodness, dude, absolutely. I would love to share the story. Chris comes on we do an awesome interview. And at the end I said, look, this is going to sound kind of crazy, but I spent the past three weeks crafting this box. There's 62 pages of notes. And I held it all up in front of my zoom camera and he was blown away. He was like, dude, I've never seen anything like this before. Absolutely, you can have the address. He gave me the L.A. shipping address, and I sent it all to Charlie. A week later, I got a FaceTime phone call from him. And, uh, anyways, <laughs> I'm sharing this whole story to remind the audience that there are creative ways that you can show up differently than everybody else. Uh, that's how I was able to reach this guy, who is now, his, you know, his work's been featured by Oprah, and uh, like it's it's crazy. You know, wow. when you when you decide to show people how much you care, there's nothing that's impossible.
0: Why do you think people generally seem to be unable to come up with these bespoke ideas? What's happened to our minds, our brains, where we just don't have these good ideas versus maybe something that you've gone through that's opened up the box and your ideas are free-flowing?
1: I don't think good ideas come to you. I think they're created through discipline. I think good ideas come from me crafting out the time to sit down with nothing but a pen and a sheet of paper, no phone, no schedule, no electronics. Sit down to deliberately think about being creative. You know you know what I mean? Like instead of sitting at my computer thinking, who are the next 20 principals I'm going to email? You know, Stop working in the business. Take a step back and work on the business and answer the question, how can I reach out in a more creative way? to stand out from all of my peers and give yourself two hours to answer that question. And don't, you know, I would be, I'd be surprised if you don't come up with some creative ideas. Now, after you do that, the next step is actually following through. And I have an accountability partner named Savio Joseph. He's my age. He's a magician and we come up with crazy wacky ideas. And then he holds me accountable and I hold him accountable. Um, and once you do the thing once and you get a great res- result, you're going to want to do it a hundred more times. So it's just getting over that first hump, but also having the discipline to craft out the time to deliberately think through these problems.
0: Yeah. I think you'd hit that nail on the head is what I was hearing was discipline. If you want an answer to a question, get the answer to the question and give yourself the time. I know I heard uh, of a great billionaire who takes a think week away every week, every year and he goes away and isolates himself in a cabin and he thinks and he takes newspapers and he gives himself that time to run the billion dollar business. So you're chunking that down. Hey, you don't have to be a billionaire to take some think time and yeah. uh, and make it happen. And then, of course, the action steps, which I'm always a big fan of. You've got to take the action if you want to see the results.
1: Absolutely. Couldn't agree more.
0: I'm thinking about entrepreneurs who, who come, you know, looking for clients all the time. And I think this is really going to help them think out of the box. Do you have any other advice for people, no matter what age, if you're wanting to grow a business, start a business, where, where would you recommend someone starts on that journey?
1: Yeah. I I mean, the first and biggest and most important thing would be to get clear on what problem you're solving and who who you're solving the problem for. So get very clear on what problem you're solving and who you're solving it for, and get extremely good at solving that problem for that person. Tom Stoyan, who's also a CAPS member, who happens to be known as Canada's sales coach, his whole business over the past 40 plus years has almost entirely been from referrals. He picks up the phone and people say, hi, Sue sent me over at RBC and told me that you're the guy to solve our problem. (laughs) Can you help us? Like never done outbound calls. And I asked him many times, why is that? Because he said, I got so good at solving the problem for this specific customer. So step one, if you haven't, you know, nailed that, that's where your focus should go. You know, marketing a bad product is not a good idea. Marketing a product that people don't want to refer is not worth your time, right? Get so good that people can't ignore you. I'd say like, that would be like step number one, get clear on the problem, get clear on who you're solving the problem for. And I would say step number two is find somebody who's doing exactly what you want to do or is doing 10 times the amount that you want to do, but in the exact same field and learn from that person, right? It's one thing for me to hire uh, a generic speaking coach. It's a totally other thing for me to find someone who built a million dollar business speaking to youth and ask that person to be my coach. Now, I'm not saying that either those are wrong or right, but if you know that the person who's coaching you is doing exactly what it is that you want to do, it's probably the best investment you could ever make. I've invested, I'm 21 years old, I invested over $70,000 in the past two years in coaching. Mm. That's almost all of my life savings plus my first year in revenue. And yes, my parents thought I was absolutely crazy. But I can tell you without a doubt in my mind, it was the best decision of my life. And it will have an impact on me for the rest of my life. Because Knowledge is something no one can ever take away from you. And I've learned so much over those past two years. So step one, figure out the problem, figure out who you're solving the problem for. Step two, find someone who's done it and is doing it bigger than you could ever imagine and make, make that person your teacher over the next two, three, four, or five years. And then the third would be my first piece of advice, which would be to make people feel significant, however you see fit, whether it's interviewing them or showing them how much you care in various ways. And I think if you do those three things really well, have no problems.
0: I totally agree. Totally agree. I love what you're doing. And tell us a little bit before we go about this, um, the graduation speech that you did. Uh, I saw it come across my news channel. I happen to have a niece graduating this year. And so I i tagged her in your Instagram page about it. That was a very unique project in response to a very unique pandemic that we're going through for those listeners who haven't seen it. Can you share a bit about that?
1: Yeah, hundred percent. And I'll position this in a way that's valuable to all of you listening or to you specifically listening. This is how you can get press on your work. (laughs) I, I started last year creating graduation videos in 2020 because I would have been graduating and all of my buddies were graduating and they were super upset that they were missing graduation due to COVID-19. And the idea hit me, wouldn't it be crazy if I created a grad video? So last year I made a video for the class of 2020 called Dear Graduating Class of 2020. It got over 75,000 views. Didn't get featured anywhere crazy last year, but schools were using it everywhere. And after doing that, I realized, wow, this was a great marketing strategy. And it was also a way for me to connect with so many different educators and students and also have a meaningful impact the second year round which just passed you know the graduating class of 2021 faced similar challenges so i thought it'd be cool if i made the video a second time this time i did it a lot more strategic i realized one it's timely right because schools are all missing graduation right now two it's coming from someone who's 21 years old so it's very unique it's a very unique story it's someone who is literally a, a fresh grad so it's like advice from your friends and then instead of just posting it and letting it go I strategically reached out to people who posted and published news on graduation in the past. The way I did this was simple. Knowing that I wanted to get on the news for graduation, I would just go on Google and search graduation news and any articles I found about people who wrote about graduation, I would personally pitch them over email. Let's say, hey, I just read your last article that you wrote last year on graduating class of 2020. Would you be interested in following it up with this? And I would share the video. And I probably sent over a thousand emails that week. And I ended up getting news spots on Breakfast Television, CBC, CTV Toronto, CTV Calgary, CBC Radio. I didn't pay a PR person. Mm. Um, and the video has reached over 55,000 people on, on YouTube, another 25,000 people on Instagram. And I booked a few speeches because of it as well. And so I'm sharing all this why. Meaningful projects are really important, but if no one sees them, it's really hard for them to be impactful. One way to make sure your work gets seen is is doing some of your own PR. And hopefully I just gave you a couple ideas on how you can do that.
0: Yeah, that's right. And I know so many great entrepreneurs, wonderful people. And I I tell them all the time, like, I know when you're sitting with your clients, that you are a fantastic service provider. The challenge is only that client you're sitting in front of knows about you. And so there's this whole business world You know, often when someone has a gift of whatever their service is, let's say you're a counselor or a massage therapist and you want to do this one thing, you're not always experienced in the business and that comes behind it. How do I grow that? How do I get that message out? And so if you're out there and you have a gift and you love doing what you're doing, I hope this is just opening up some ideas of how to let the world in on the special thing that you do. I could talk to you all day and <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoy hearing what you're saying from such a passionate place, from such an authentic place. And I wonder if you could just wrap up our podcast today and and, and share whatever story you feel like sharing out of your vault of 21 years, but uh, leave us with some Sam Demo.
1: Growing up, I had a lot of difficult choices to make. The first was deciding to stop playing soccer. And I felt like my life was crushed. Now you might not be an athlete listening to this, but you've definitely faced personal challenges before. You've definitely made tough decisions before. You've definitely been in situations in your life where you feel like you lack identity, purpose, direction. It's a very common thing to go through. We just all happen to experience that at different ages. That was the first tough one. Then I went to university because all of my friends were going to university. And after two months of university studies, I dropped out. And my parents thought I was crazy coming from a European family. I remember crying in front of my laptop, not finishing a 10 page report on mosquito repellent and telling them I was gonna make a living speaking. <laughs> and you know, at first they were like, what the heck are you doing? This is crazy. I remember going to school reunions two years after high school and teachers walking up to me saying, Sam, you're one of our favorite students and we want what's best for you. So please go back to university, you know, stop wasting your life, stop wasting your time. I remember when I was making the decision to stop playing soccer, my coach laughed saying, are you gonna retire soon, bud, or are you gonna get back on the soccer field? And this is at the same time where I'm just finishing my second knee surgery. I'm doing a full-time job at a gym and driving an hour and a half to practice just to sit on the bench. Then I made the next toughest decision in my life, one year into business, turning down a speaking agency in the States that wanted to sign a 10-year contract. And I thought my life was gonna be over if I made the wrong choice. I'm telling you this final story and all these decisions I made, to remind you of a very important lesson that I've been reminded of recently. In life, we carry around a backpack. And in the backpack, we often hold the thoughts and opinions of other people, sometimes to a fault, sometimes that stop us or hold us back. I continuously, throughout my life, have emptied out my backpack and stopped carrying around the thoughts and opinions of other people. And if I can share nothing else with you but to remind you to empty out your own, metaphorical backpack of the thoughts and opinions of other people to bet on yourself and your intuition and go all in. uh, I promise you it'll be the best thing you've ever done. And it'll be worth your time if that's the only piece of advice you took away from this episode. Um, Thank you so much for carving out time to listen to this. I appreciate it, Sue. This has been awesome. Thank you so much for having me on here.
0: (laughs) Thank you for sharing. That's great advice. And I you know, even at over 50 years old, I can take it and take it home. I'll probably watch this again and take notes on what you've said, Sam. If people want to connect with you, where can they find you? Where are you hanging out on social media? What's your website?
1: Sam Demma, D-E-M-M-A dot com is the best way to get in touch. It's Sam Demma across all social media. I'd be happy to chat with anyone who wants to reach out.
0: Well, thanks very much for our chat today. Thanks for listening. Uh, For today, that's a wrap. Please follow and review if you enjoy these podcasts and then visit me at suestyles.com.